Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the interwebs. Hello, how are you? It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Tuesday is the day, the deep dive, the weekly top three. That's what's coming at you here in just a few moments, we're going to be talking with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, he's going to come in today, and we've got a plethora of things to talk about, including all the spending that the Alaska legislature is going to be doing, even though the money's not in their coffers yet. And, of course, they, I mean, they just they can't help but spend it, no matter what's going on. This it, Thus is the nature of all politicians. Uh, they basically, spending consumes all the available money and resources and then some. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the 50-plus candidates, now I guess down to 48 candidates for the U.S. House. And what is that going to mean for Alaska? It's a hot, hot, steaming chocolate mess. Oh, baby. Nobody knows. What's going on with that? We'll have more. Uh, we'll have more intel on that and some discussions on that with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And finally, we will finish up. Uh, we're going to finish up talking about the effects of the Ukrainian war on oil and gas prospects. Some analysis from Brad on that. As a former oil and gas consult, uh, that should give him a uh, little bit of background on that. And uh, is there a realistic, renewed opportunity for Alaska LNG? That's the question that's going to be coming out of our discussions this morning with Brad Keithley in Hour 1. In Hour 2, we are going to wait, cue the angelic choir and harmony. We're going to wait for our weekly uplift from our own personal guru of positivity, Christopher Story who's going to come in for our weekly life coaching lesson. I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but i got to be honest, it doesn't matter. My conversations with Chris uh, are for me, and, uh, I mean, you guys get to benefit from it, but it's really for me uh, because I need those little slices of uh, – I need those little slices of positivity in my life because there's so much going on out there that we just don't – I mean, oof, man – uh, so we're going to be talking with Chris this morning as well. We'll also throw the phone lines open and talk about some other stuff when we have time. And uh, coming up tomorrow on the program, uh, Representative Sarah Vance will be joining us in hour one to talk about the budget. And uh, we'll also be talking with State Senator Mike Schauer for his uh, shower hour of the power. It's a. It's it, it's it's gonna be yes. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be there. We're gonna be all over that 
So uh, feel free to uh, feel free to be part of it and uh, make sure you join us tomorrow morning for that. Don't have anything lined up yet for Thursday, but we know that we know something's we know something's going to go down. It's going to be uh, all good. Where should I start this morning? Well, I guess I should start uh, with with the discussion of uh, what's going on in the uh, uh, the Alaska House. Because uh, they got back to it. They got back to it this week. Uh, they got back to it, uh, working on the budget and doing everything else. Ironically, remember that big dust-up last week, how they were saying that everybody wanted to kill everyone, that all the Republicans who didn't want to wear masks just didn't care about anybody else, and they were all just wanting to kill everybody. Uh, and that's why they couldn't hold the meetings anymore. It wasn't because they were short of their majority in votes that there were 18 minority members ready to go out on the floor and vote and only 17 of the majority at the time because three were out being, you know, sick. Uh, But this week, oh, no, they're back to it now. And, of course, this week's masks are not mandatory. They're just optional where people could – I mean, it's amazing. how It's amazing the difference a few votes – I mean, a few days could make, Right. I mean, if you if you are watching this and not just chortling at the absolute absurdity of it, uh, I don't know. I don't know what you're missing here, because this is this is what's going on. The legislature has decided now the House specifically has now decided that uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, and and we're going to get started and now masks are optional, and um, it's it's all fine. And it's all fine. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Uh, they weren't optional last week, and that's why we had to shut everything down and, of course, vilify anybody who didn't wear a mask. Uh, had nothing to do with the fact that we did not have a majority of votes on the floor, that it would have given the minority uh, a, a slim lead, and that they could have, you know, pushed through some things that we didn't want them to push through. And so we used any excuse in the storm. And in this case, it was the mask mandate. And now this week, the mask mandate is lifted. So, I mean, other than that, I mean, is anybody else just looking at this going, what the act? Change the players. This is the only solution. Just change the players. You people in Kodiak, yes, I'm talking to you. Let me let me just can I excuse me, can I sidebar for just a moment and speak to specifically, specifically the listeners in Kodiak. Because I don't broadcast all the way down in the southeast, so I'm gonna isolate for just a minute. Uh, you folks in Kodiak, if you keep sending People like Louise Stutes and Gary Stevens back to the legislature. You have no room to complain about anything. I mean, that is the problem, right? That is the problem. Louise Stute was the architect. Now, maybe Bryce Edgman was the architect and she's just a Muppet and he's pulling her strings. I don't know. But she is the face of this whole thing. And she is part of the problem. If you keep sending her back, you got no room to complain. Now that I've singled out Kodiak, let me single out Fairbanks. My hometown, my legacy, 
the place where my family has lived and worked and breathed and been part of for three generations. Well, four generations with my kids before we moved down to South Central. Let me just say this to you. If the conservatives in Fairbanks don't get activated, if you guys don't start pulling together, we're going to send another Click Bishop back. We're going to send another Steve Thompson, another Bart LeBond. Oh, the names may change. The faces may change. But if we keep sending more of those people back, this is what we're going to get. Remember, Bart LeBond only won by one single vote when he was first elected. One single disputed vote. Not that I wanted Catherine Dodge to win. But do we want to just keep sending that back? Do we want another click bishop? Do we want John Coghill to return to the Senate? Or a John Coghill-like per- If the people in these communities, Fairbanks, Kodiak, specifically, don't drill down into what's going on, don't figure out and come together, we're not going to solve this. We have changed out a third of the legislature, and we're still faced with these challenges because the people... We got, we got folks in there who are business as usual, and they're running the show. And not to be left out, of course, you folks in Eagle River for sending Kelly Merrick to the, to the house to begin with. I warned you. I mean, I don't want to be that. No, hell, I do want to be that guy that said, I told you so. I told you so when she first ran for office, and I said, you all know who she's married to, right? You all know where, I mean, literally sleeping with the enemy you all know who, oh, no, no, don't worry, Mike, she'll be fine. She's, no, she's a stalwart. Don't worry, she'll be, okay. We, we got our crosses to bear around here. Each one of our communities has got some work to do. We ought to be getting to it. All right. Um. So I wanted to talk a little bit. Murkowski, Lisa Murkowski has announced that she's going to vote to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, um, which anybody who's been following Lisa, should it should be no surprise. She went into it late last night. She put out a whole press release and everything else and, you know, lauding uh, Jackson's, you know, her qualifications and this and that and, you know, how we can't agree with all the judge's decisions and yada, yada, yada. She's going to support her. But there was an interesting point to this whole thing. Her vote of Jackson, she says, also rests on my rejection of the corrosive politicization of the review process for Supreme Court nominees, which on both sides of the aisle is growing worse and more detached from the reality by the year. I mean, that's her comment. Of course, um, you know, I back. I remember back when uh, Lisa was... Uh, uh, you know, was so vociferous about the attacks on another judge, right? Kavanaugh. Remember when the other time when you rejected all the corrosive politics and voted to confirm Kavanaugh? Oh, wait. No, you didn't. Why does this surprise anybody? Now, listen, I have not been listening to all the, uh, <clears throat> to all the, uh, 
coverage and all the different, you know, the tete-a-tete and everything else between senators and the uh, uh, and and Jackson. You know, I've not been listening to all that. All I had to hear was one thing for me to, for her automatically to be disqualified. And no, it's not about the being light on pedophiles and light on crime and all this other kind of stuff, which I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that's all bad enough. All I had to hear was one exchange. When Ted, uh, Ted Cruz of Texas asked her, do you hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights, yes or no? And she says, and I quote, I do not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. As far as the bingo card goes, that's a bingo for a big no. That's a big right there. That's a big no. I do not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. Okay, you're automatically disqualified at this point. Sorry, this doesn't work for me. But big surprise, Lisa is trying to attract the Dems on the one side and keep some of the rhinos happy as well. Having her cake and eating it too, I think, is what one of the commenters said on one of the stories on this, which I kind of agreed with. That's what she's trying to do. She's trying to appeal to the Democrats while also holding on to some of that rhino base that uh, has kept her in power for so long. And this is what she's just going to continue to do. It's no big surprise. But all I had to do, like I said, was read that one exchange. I do not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. Okay, then we have a problem. That is a basic fundamental flaw in your judicial philosophy. Sorry. So... Um, all right. Uh, we're up against the break. I wanted to go into that more, but I got into the whole Kodiak Fairbanks, the Eagle River thing. So we're going to continue and we'll be back. Brad Keithley's coming up in a moment. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke show. If you want to join the conversation in the chat room, we'll be back with more right after this. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay. I do not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. Uh, I mean, that just pretty much. All right. Just we're done. We're done. That's it. You may step out. Thank you so much for, thank you for coming, but now, goodbye. (laughs) That's exactly how I feel, right there. Bonk, bonk, bonk. Um, all right, Uh, I'm going backwards in the, uh, going backwards in the comments. I, I suppose I should get Brad on the line here real quick before we go any further, just to make sure that we're good. Let me, uh. Let me get things. Let me get things rolling here. We'll get Brad uh, up and rolling before we get too far along. Brad Keithley is going to be our guest. Um, just like that. Let's see. Representative Kevin McCabe says it's amazing how fast the virus goes away, isn't it? 
let's all kabuki dance. I mean, that's the thing. This whole thing has just been a complete and total, it's just theater. It's political theater from one end to the other. It's, it's insanity. Uh, Brad Keithley uh, is on the horn with us. Hello, my friend. How are you? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you? You know, n- no, no complaints. Um, you're, you're, you're on a roll this morning. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of things. You know, Brad, this is just what happens when irritation is, you know, I feel like I've got acid reflux and, uh, you know, chafing in my nethers all at the same time. It's just really not a fun time to be me. Uh, as I get irritated by all these things that are going on around us that, you know, we can, the worst part is, and maybe this is just me and feel free to comment on this, but the worst part is, is that I feel like I can see all the things that are wrong. I can see all the things that are wrong. Not that I can see all the solutions, but I can see that they're all wrong. And all I have is people denying the fact that there's a problem. And in every different specific, whether it's the Supreme Court thing, whether it's the Alaska, you know, whatever it is, we could see that there's wrong and everybody's looking at you like, what do you mean? It's just fine. We, we got it covered. Don't worry about it. I mean, I may not have the answer, but at least I know that something is wrong. I mean, at least, you know, the, the first step to fixing a problem is admitting, oh, there might, in fact, be a problem. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you were you were calling people out this morning. That's we're we're going to have to do that the entire campaign, I think, this year. I mean, I, I have no doubt about it. I mean, you know, the hit list should include you know Bert Stedman and Louise Stutz and Gary Stevens and Click Bishop and Steve Thompson and Bart Lebon and Kelly Merrick and Sarah Rasmussen. I mean, those are just the ones who are supposedly on our side. That I mean, you know, people like, why don't you beat up on the Democrats? Well, I think we should probably clean our house first, don't you? I mean, I think that would probably make sense, you know. But uh, no, if, we cl- if, we, if we cleaned our house, we'd have a majority in the house, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, Merrick would have come back over, and Rasmussen would have come back over. Yeah, I mean, Stutes, Stutes, Stutes would have come back over. Oh, she, yeah, she'll do it. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, we're coming up. Uh, we're a couple minutes out here. Let me. Uh, I'm going to put you back uh, down on hold here for a second, uh, and we're going to. Uh, I got to go through some of the comments here just to see if there's anything super intriguing this morning. Uh, Jenny's listening to us from Costa Rica. Oh, must be nice there. Um, Candidates running for Don seat are about to be on on a Real America's Voice TV. Okay. Um, hopefully, people will get out and vote. There's only hope for change after hearing Murkowski state she's voting to confirm the radical that doesn't know what a woman is. She has to go, period. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Elections matter. Thank you for talking to Kodiak. I hope they listen. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Kodiak may not complain, but the rest of the state does. Uh, troll, troll, troll. Kelly's on the war room this morning. Uh, Lebon was the only Republican representative on the ballot at the time. It was him or Dodge. I know. That's exactly it. You didn't have much of a choice. That's what I'm saying. Conservatives in those districts need to find some more people to run. Um, I'm still scrolling here real quick, real quick, uh, automatically disqualified. Absolutely. Biden's judge did not hold a position on the foundation of a a republic disqualified, says Tuckerman. That's exactly it. When she said that, that she has no position on whether or not people have natural rights. I'm sorry. We're done. All right. Well, I think we're ready for Brad now. Here we go. Uh, the Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio. Let's do it.
All right, uh, you guys all ready? Let's uh, let's dive into it, shall we? It is Tuesday, which means that it is our weekly deep dive uh, into uh, polit. Well, that was abrupt. Politics and everything else uh, here in the state of Alaska. Joining us to discuss those things uh, is my friend Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad comes on board uh, to dissect and uh, digest with us the weekly top three. And we got some big ones coming up today, Brad. We're going to be talking about, first and foremost, all of this money that the legislature is spending that they don't even have in the coffers yet. And it's amazing how they want to spend it before, I mean, they, how are they going to raise some of this money? I mean, they're talking about millions of dollars a year in new spending already uh, to try and fix a problem that has already been fixed. I guess make a problem worse that's already been fixed, so to speak. Uh, let's take on number one, which includes defined benefits and more. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, Michael. How are you today? You know, I'm wound up, as you could possibly tell. I'm just, uh, like I said, a little agitated, a little irritated. What? Uh, what? So what say you on all this spending that they're working themselves up to and the revisiting to a problem we thought we'd solved? Well, there's two there's two issues that's that that caught my attention uh, during during the course of the week. One was an article in the ADN uh, about uh, restoring defined benefits um, as opposed to defined contributions, and the second was a story in the Fairbanks News Miner uh, about uh, uh, K through 12 changing the BSA, increasing the BSA, and, uh, and as some proposed, uh, inflation proofing the BSA so that it increases going forward. Uh, tied uh, tied to inflation, both of those immediately struck me uh, as putting the cart the spending cart before the horse. We we don't we don't have our revenue problem resolved. Uh, we don't have a fiscal plan that has decided how we're gonna how we're gonna uh, set revenues and what what amount of revenues uh, we're gonna have uh, to spend. And and these proposals to increase spending or fix future spending. I mean, these are permanent fixes, both the, both the, the change to the defined benefit plan and uh, the change to the BSA. Uh, these are permanent fixes going forward. We don't have a permanent revenue plan that deals with them. So what, what they're really doing is they're setting up uh, additional PFD cuts uh, going into the future uh, by setting spending plans without setting, without you know, establishing where the revenue is going to come from. I think Mike Prox uh, uh, said it best in the Fairbanks News, news uh, uh, Minor article uh, when he said that uh, that essentially that we're putting the cart before the horse, that we need to have a fiscal plan before we have uh, a fiscal plan in place before we have, uh, we'd be ad- we're addre- we should be addressing uh, additional uh, uh, spending issues. Once we have a fiscal plan in place, uh, hopefully, Having all Alaskans, if we're going to have individual contributions, if we're going to have personal contributions to, to state government, having all Alaskans contributing to state government, once we have that in place, then I think it's fair to bring up these additional spending plans. But then all Alaskans can be involved in pushing back and saying, look, that's more spending than we're willing to pay for. Right. What? As long as you have it tied, as long as you don't have that defined and the and the and the 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 consequence is that it's going to take a, it's going to come at the expense of PFD cuts. You really are only affecting middle and lower income Alaska families, and they're the only ones who who are being, you know, who are who are having to pay for these things. Uh, and they're trying to shove back, but without you know the top twenty percent involved in shoving back, 
uh, on the spending, you don't get any place. So we, we've got the we've got the cart before the horse. I, each of these spending plans have have issues. That going back to defined benefits uh, certainly has has issues uh, that have been that have been raised by both you know commentators as well as legislators. Uh, in, the increase in uh, in the BSA and the increase in, in in tying the BSA to inflation certainly has issues. Uh, but but even before you get to those issues, we need to have a fiscal plan in place that tells us who's going to be contributing these revenues uh, uh, determined so that those who are going to be paying these revenues have the ability to uh, to push back on the spending. You know, and, and of course, a lot of the spending is things that, uh, as you point out, the base, uh, the BSA, the base student allocation formula increase uh, and everything else. But one of the big things that they've been talking about now is, of course, the renewal or revival of a defined benefits program, um, which will cost, uh, well, first they started just talking about first responders, police and fire. That was going to be another $7 million a year. And of course, the teachers all pitched in as well. And now it's another $70 million a year. And that's going forward. And that, of course, doesn't uh, preclude us having another downer year where all of a sudden, I mean, we've whittled our defined uh, benefits uh, liability down from $12 billion to $4 billion. That's where we are today, which is more manageable. But at one point, there was questions about whether or not we were going to have to spend over half the state budget just to balance the defined benefits uh, underfundedness, uh, as it were. And yet they want to start that. They want to start that clock back up. I mean, it's it's insanity. Yeah, it's a it's a wedge issue. What what they're trying to do with the first responders is is to take the take the best argument they think they have, which is which is the retention of the first responders. Take the best argument they think they have and get their foot in the door by by passing that bill. And then I think Senator Stedman had it right. And then. You know, it's just going to open the door for everybody else. Then the teachers come through, and then other government employees uh, uh, come through as well, and we're right back at right back to where we were before. So it, this isn't—I mean, the first responders want you to want you to think about, want you to think that it's in terms of just the first responders uh, and the retention of first responders. But that's not that's not where this issue goes uh, once we uh, once we crack that door open. But as I say, even before we get to that door. We ought to be determining what revenues, what, what revenues we're talking about, and who's going to pay those revenues. I mean, it, it the going down the track we are without resolving the, the the fiscal plan, without resolving the states, you know, what what's coming on the revenue side. Um, it, it's 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 putting putting the fiscal cart before the horse in in terms of trying to spend money we don't know yet uh, that we're going to have and who's and who's contributing. Who's, who's going to be contributing to it and who ought to be involved in pushing back on that. I mean, the, the, the problem is they don't want the top 20% engaged, right? Those who are spending don't want the top 20% engaged because they know that if the donor class becomes engaged, they're going to push back. They're going to push back on spending and push back hard uh, and they're not going to be able to get away with this stuff. So, so they're trying to avoid dealing with the revenue issue, dealing with who pays uh, uh, and and push the spending forward, get it set in 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 statute, get it set in programs, and then the fallout of that is going to be well, we're sorry, but it has to come out of the PFD additional PFD right. Costs. We got to so, and this is, I mean, this may be the long term, really the long term plan. Uh, that that is the initial thing they want the PFD, they want to be able to spend it, uh, and this is why they have been so reticent 
this entire time to address the fiscal policy working group's holistic plan, which deals with new spending and savings and cuts and new revenues and new oil taxes and everything else. It was and the PFD. It was all inclusive. But they don't want to. They don't want to talk about that at all. And it leads me to believe more and more that that's really what the ultimate goal here is to strip the PFD eventually out completely, not make it a 75-25 for uh, you know state versus PFDs, but just basically take all 100%. And then, of course, we know what will happen five years beyond that. Then there will be a call for new revenues and new taxes and everything else. So the government consumes everything on the table and then some. Yep. They're trying to avoid, I mean, they're trying to avoid, as I, as I, as I say, they're trying to avoid engaging the top 20%. They're trying to use spending approaches that don't engage the, the donor class because they know that if the donor class is going is, is, is gonna to have to spend, the donor class is going to push back. What we've, what we've had the last few legislatures is, is this, this as, as we've talked about before on the show, this unholy alliance between the top 20% Republicans and the and the Democrats about government spending, the top twenty top twenty percent Republicans saying we won't stop your spending as long as you don't make us pay for it, and the Democrats saying, well, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna charge you for it. We'll just take it out of the PFD and and continue spending. And they and they're trying to avoid engaging uh, the top twenty percent, engaging the donor class um, uh, in spending uh, uh, on uh, uh, on in 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 pushing back on spending. So. You know, it's just it's it's part and parcel. You're right. They're, they haven't put the fiscal plan on the on the floor, uh, the the fiscal policy working group plan, uh, even through committee. They haven't put it on the floor, uh, and they're just trying to get this spending, all of this spending, out in front uh, before they before they engage on who's going to have to pay for this spending. Well, we know the problem. We can see the problem. As I was saying before we came on the air, the problem is is that a lot of us can see all the – we don't have all the answers, but we can at least admit that there's a problem where many of them are just going, no problem, we got it covered. And, of course, it just continues to, uh, to you know, uh, again, just continues down the same road of doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Uh, all right, well, let's move over to number two, and we'll get uh, we'll get the first part of it here with number two, which, of course, is the wild and woolly days of the U.S. House race, the special election, the special primary, with 51 people submitting their names for the office, now down to 48 because three, uh, three withdrew their names yesterday, but uh, almost 50 people going to be on this ballot. Uh, and it is uh, all I could see is all the talking heads and the political punditry is just like scratching their head, going, "We have no idea what the hell is going to happen here because it is a <laughs> a total hot mess." Um, so give us uh, give us some thoughts on this uh, from yourself. Well, I I've started to think about how I should think about it. I mean, with uh, with forty eight names out there, uh, you know, you, you can throw a dart or you can you know just sort of immediately react to a name. Uh, but frankly, for me, uh, since I sort of work my world by charts, I started charting it out. Uh, and, and that forces me to think about how I'm going to think about it. Um, and I've developed certain categories that I think are, are things that are the right way, at least for me, uh, uh, on, on how to think about uh, uh, breaking the, the, the group of 48 down into, uh, down into certain categories uh, and then sort of sorting through uh, who best uh, who best fits uh, what I think are the important criteria. So, 
Uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, what those categories are and how I've started to uh, started to break break the candidates down. Well, and and before you get into that part, and I do, I mean, because we got a couple three four minutes here, I wanna I wanna break backwards for just a second and look at this and realize that with 50 candidates, 48 candidates, polling is almost impossible because nobody's going to reel off 48 names in a poll phone call. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to reel off all these names. And, and, and it really, in a lot of ways, is going to come down to name recognition. Um, I was shocked that Sarah Palin threw her name into the race, but in hindsight, realizing that really, with the number of candidates that you have, that name recognition is going to be paramount on this. Um, somebody said in one of the articles, I can't remember who it said, basically said she could go lay down on the couch until election day and still be guaranteed a <laughs> slot in the top four. Um, you know, Al Gross obviously has his name in there and he's, he's known in democratic circles, although he's an undeclared, uh, right. Undeclared, or indep- whatever he calls himself. Um, but we'll caucus with the Democrats. Uh, and then you got the question of who, you know, where everybody else falls in there. You know, Chris Constant, now Adam Wool, who's got the, you know, they're probably both hating each other because they're both biting into their own base. You've got uh, Nick Baggage, who's got name recognition, although maybe not good name recognition because maybe many people don't know the Baggage is a conservative, uh, but they know the name. Uh, you've got John Coghill, who's got name recognition. So all these things go out. I mean, how much do you think that's going to play into the uh, and then you've got the endorsements as well. So, I mean, how much do you think this is going to play into that? Well, I think it's going to play a huge amount. I mean, I, I in, in, in trying to sort through the the 48 or the 51 at the time I, I started this, I've got there's 13 who have some form uh, of name recognition. Uh, they go all the way from uh, Sarah Palin, who probably has the highest name recognition, uh, down to uh, Mary Sattler, uh, Paltola, uh, who's a uh, former state representative uh, from uh, from Bethel who has some uh, name recognition, is a native, native Democrat and has uh, some name, name recognition. So, I, but, but there's, a, there's about 13 that I, that, I, that I think have some form of name recognition. That's still a huge number, yeah. but at least it's, it's, it's the first step in organizing how you think about right. how, you, how, how you think about the candidate. Well, don't forget about name recognition because Santa Claus is in this race and he may have <laughs> higher name recognition than Sarah Palin. That's that old Santa <laughs> Of course, they don't. Well, I've, say- got Santa, I've got Santa Claus in the 13th. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say, even though that doesn't say that Santa Claus is a democratic socialist, although I don't think my Santa Claus is, but maybe yours is. We'll, we'll see what happens here. All right, Brad. Well, let's uh, let's take the break and uh, we will come back here and uh, continue our discussions with Brad Keithley. Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets is our guest, and we're going to... Um, find out more Uh, we're going to continue with the weekly top three in number two right now we're going to try and get to three before the end of the show and we will continue with more common sense liberty-based free thinking radio who is brad's 13 for the 48 candidates for u.s house of representatives let's see what he has to say about that on the other side the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we're in the break with Brad Keithley right now, and uh, we are going to continue on uh, with the weekly top three when we return. Uh, David 
kind of lays out uh, some of my uh, some of my thoughts on this. I mean, uh, now first and foremost, let me say before everybody breaks out the torches uh, and everything that I like Sarah Palin as a person. Uh, I endorsed her as governor. I supported her. I've had her on the show several times. But uh, I mean, let's face it. Ever since that whole thing ended. She's been a bit of a train wreck, right? I mean, she's she still irritates the liberals, which I think a lot of people are looking for. Um, but she's got a lot of baggage. She's got a lot of things going on. Uh, he says, Palin has a lot of baggage and celebrity circus over the years. Her political capital is damaged, even with Trump's endorsement. He said, do not count baggage out just yet. He's the one who's been getting the grassroots and club endorsements. And I think there is some power to that. But really, I think this is going to come down to name recognition um, in a lot of ways. So... This will be this will be an, an interesting discussion, uh, but once she threw her hat in the ring, she was pretty much guaranteed a spot in the top four. I think simply because she's got the national recognition, uh, uh, you know, and the, and of course the name recognition here in the state of Alaska. Yeah, that's that. Ivan Moore was the one who said uh, she could lay on the couch, right? And still, uh, still end up in the in the top four, and that's probably true. I mean, it's you're going to have what you're really looking for in the first round is, is a core group to get behind you. Ivan or somebody said that it's probably going to take 10%, uh, a 10% vote to get, uh, to get in the, uh, uh, in the top four, at least a 10% vote to get in the top four. And you really need that core 10% uh, uh, to stay with you. Palin, you know, can Palin get 10% of the vote uh, uh, in Alaska? you would think that that's probably right. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that sort of puts her as, as Ivan said, she lay on the couch and, and be in the, in, in the final four. The question is, you know, when you get to neck baggage, can baggage get, can, can baggage get 10% after Palin takes her 10%? Right. Is there, is how it, much is, is it cutting enough, into uh, his? Yeah. Enough leftover to, uh, to, to, to vote for, to vote for Nick. So right. it, it's really, it's really, and, and, and you know, frankly, uh, Jeff Lanfield had a had a panel on uh, on the landmine uh, uh, channel uh, a few days ago, and everybody and, and and Art Hackney was on there, and he was talking about Josh Revac because he's you know with Josh Revac's campaign. Right. Uh, he had somebody from the Ship Creek Group who's supporting uh, Mary Sattler, um, and then he had uh, uh, somebody else who was sort of uh, supporting uh, uh, Al Gross in a way. Um, the, the, the person I think they're overlooking is Tara Sweeney. So when you, when you, when you think about how do you get to 10%, uh, the native, uh, 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 corporations and the native community is going to play a big role in that. They can get you to 10%. The question is, are they going to, are they going to fraction between Mary and, and, and Tara and, and Milnati and, and others, but, but it, it's really, where is your 10%? That's, right. that's sort of the game. And get your ten percent coalesced, and get them all get them all voting for you. That's sort of the name of the game to get to, to get to the second round. All right, I don't want to blow our whole load here before we get to the actual back to the radio and uh, have to revisit and rehash things. So, uh, change gears. And my question is, what's your shirt say? Dime. It's apparently <laughs> Gaelic. I can see it's on your thing there. What what is it? That, what does your shirt say? It says dive. Uh, the M H in uh, in Gaelic is pronounced like a V. Uh, in uh, in English, and it's the name of a Scottish band that uh, that I'm a big fan of. Have gone to festivals uh, to see, and it happened. One of the things that's happened over COVID is my is my wardrobe has turned entirely into hoodies. Right? Yeah. 
you got you got super casual friday is every day right because because my bands my bands haven't been able to tour and so to support the bands that they've they've been selling a lot of merch right and the and the one merch item merchandise item that uh that i really like are hoodies so i've got like a hoodie for every band i've ever i've ever uh, i've ever liked this this happened to be the one i uh grabbed this morning okay good i was curious i was curious about that since we connected i was like oh that's kind of cool what is that i need to know um well that's and that's good to know yeah super cash is the new uh, is the new semi-formal it seems like these days uh, with the, with the, cha- just another change that you can thank the pandemic for, uh, as we, as we move forward. Uh, well, this actually happens to be a good one. No, no, it? it's a great, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I think <laughs> Brian says merch. Did he say merch? Yeah. Brad is hip. He's cool. He's with it. He's lit. Brad's got all the, he's got all the, uh, the cool, uh, uh, phrases down, uh, just like me. Uh, it's rad, baby. It's rad. Okay. Uh, we're going to, uh, Continue on with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, uh, in just a moment. Uh, Folks, do me a favor. Please like and share this video if you would be so kind. Like and follow the show page as well so that you get notifications every morning when we go live. If you're watching on YouTube this morning, and I don't know if I've seen anybody on YouTube. Oh, yep, Chris is not on YouTube. Uh, If you're on YouTube this morning, make sure that you hit subscribe and ring the bell. And if you're on Twitch, hit the follow button. And uh, we'll get things uh, ready to rock and roll. Neato, says Jimmy. Yes, neato. That's another cool, rad uh, thing. Here we go. Jump it back into it. All right, welcome back to the program. Continuing now, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We were just uh, talking uh, with Brad before we went to break about number two of the weekly top three, which is, of course, the 48-person race for the U.S. House of Representatives. Brad had said he'd gotten things kind of pared down, and he put together a spreadsheet to look at some of the uh, candidates that he thought were you know, basically trying to thin the herd out to try and decide how to look at each one of these, and you've got it broken down to, what, 13 people total, Brad? Well, there's 13 people that have name recognition, that have, that have I think, some ability to put together uh, uh, a core group that can get them, uh, get them into, uh, in, into the final four. Um, and, but but that's, sort of, that's sort of the first tier. I mean, that's, that's sort of the first sort that I've, that I've, that I've used to, to look at the uh, – to look at the 48 that are out there. Who has name recognition? Who has the potential to get into the final four? And as I said, I, I, I think there's 13 that have name recognition. They go from all the way from Sarah Palin and Santa Claus. You probably have the highest name recognition down to Mary Sattler Peltola, who um, uh, is a former state representative from Bethel, uh, head of the Bush caucus, has a, has a pro- profile in the native community. And again, if you're thinking about all you really need to do is put together a core group of 10% to get to the final four, uh, I think has the potential. So there's about there's about 13 in that group. But then the next sort, I mean, some people immediately go to, well, are they conservative? Are they liberal? The next sort to me is, is whether they have the ability to bring home the bacon for Alaska. One of Don Young's best talents was his ability to, to bring home the bacon. And there's there's several, there's several categories, I think, 
or several criteria that go into whether or not you have the ability to bring home the bacon. One of which is your ability to bid to build seniority. And frankly, that's a that's a that's an important sort to me. If if we send a guy or a, a woman there who is in the, in the late middle final stages of their career, they're not going to have the opportunity to build seniority. And I and particularly for a state like Alaska that has only one percent one representative, I think that's a huge uh, factor. So that to me knocks out people like Santa Claus, who's seventy five. Um, and who said uh, and who said that he's only going to serve out uh, the remainder of the current term, not to, not stay there and, and run for uh, uh, for the regular term uh, uh, in the fall. Um, that knocks out John Coghill, who's 71. It knocks out Andrew Halcrow to me, uh, who has said all he wants to do is run to serve out Don Young's ter- the current term. He's not running for long term election. Well, it's important, I think, to uh, to view who we who we elect in the special election as someone who's who's going to be elected in the in the fall election. Right, because sometimes seniority. because sometimes that three or four months of seniority that would come from somebody running in the special election going into the regular election, sometimes that three or four months of seniority could mean the difference between a chairmanship and not. Oh, it, every time it will mean the difference between a chairmanship and not. So any more seniority doesn't come just in clusters of two or in the Senate and six. It comes in the clusters of of days. If you get sworn in, I mean, sometimes you will see a representative resign ahead of the end of his term so that his successor can be sworn in a few days in front of in front of the rest of the class. And if we're going to have a big change out, as, as some predict this coming this coming fall in terms of Republicans being elected, uh, uh, taking Democrat seats, the Republicans taking back the Congress, um, getting a, a, a month or two of seniority, additional seniority in front of what may, many anticipate to be a huge Republican freshman class coming in, getting a month or two of seniority in front of them could make a huge difference. So, you know, I, I to me, that's an important criteria in terms of being able to, to bring home the bacon uh, to Alaska. And I think it knocks out Halcrow. And I think it knocks out uh, 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 Emil Nadi, uh, who might otherwise be knocked out for other reasons, age. But it knocks out people who are saying that they aren't going to stick. Uh, they aren't viewing this as a long-term, uh, a long-term uh, position. So that takes. I know, Halcr- I'm sorry. I know Halcrow's got this rationalization for why he thinks. Uh, Halcrow's got rationalizations for a lot of things. <laughs> I, know he's, I, know, I know he's got a rationalization for why he thinks this is right. But I, in, from the perspective of what's best for Alaska, I think. I think running just for the just for the remainder of the term is the wrong step to take. Uh, so that brings your list from 13 down to what at that point? When you start eliminating those numbers, where do you end up at? Well, that eliminates five between age and uh, and and only serving one term. That brings it down to eight, and then you've got three. I've got the mark in yellow on my on my uh, on my chart. Al Gross is 60, um, so he's sort of at the tail end. Of, uh, of, of his middle career, I'm not sure how much opportunity he would have to build seniority. Uh, Sarah Palin is 58. Uh, and frankly, I think that's an, uh, that's an issue with, uh, with her. And uh, Adam Wool is 60, which surprised me. I didn't realize Adam was that old, but Adam's 60. So I think, I think that's an issue with, uh, with him as well. I think we ought to be looking at somebody who, who's going to serve 15, 20 years Maybe not 49 as Don did, right? but 15, 20 years, build up to a chairmanship, 
I mean, Don's great heydays was when he was chairman of the transportation committee and was able to really, you know, uh, allocate funds uh, uh, back home. So I think it's, I think, I think we ought to be looking at somebody who's going to have a 15, 20, uh, perhaps longer career. And when you look at people in their late 50s or 60s, uh, that's not giving them a whole lot of time to be able to do that. So that leaves uh, on the field so far that I can count, that leaves Chris Constant as a Democrat. It leaves uh, Josh Revac as a Republican um, and Nick Baggage as a Republican. Those are probably, I imagine those have enough name recognition to make your top 13. Who else? Tara Sweeney. Tara Sweeney, uh, right. And, and Mary Sattler. Uh, the, and, and again, I, th- I, I think it is, I think we are, those, of, those who are looking at the race who are not counting in the native, the ability of the native vote to coalesce around, around a candidate are, are missing out. Um, so I think Tara has a, has, has a real chance. Then the next criteria I use beyond, beyond that, are they able to bring home the bacon, is frankly, for those who have had to vote on the issue, how they voted on the PFD. I mean, that to me indicates a concern about all Alaska families and right. indicates a concern about, uh, about the overall Alaska economy. Uh, and a no vote, I think, on the PFD is an indicator that they tend to be more concerned about the top 20% or they tend to be more concerned about a particular special interest than they are about all Alaska families. And that takes out REVAC. So frankly, by the time, uh, and Adam Wool uh, uh, as well. So frankly, by the time that, that I go through those two sorts, even before I get to looking at who's conservative and who's, and who's uh, uh, progressive on, uh, on the issues, I'm down to like five, four or five. And that's a much more manageable number, I think, to start thinking about than, uh, than certainly the 48 or the 13. I'm a little disappointed. I really enjoyed my conversation with Chris Bayh, who's the Libertarian candidate. I think he would make a great uh, congressman. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think he has the name recognition. Doesn't mean that I wouldn't stop me voting for him. But I'm just saying that he doesn't have the name recognition that many of these other um, candidates do, and um, and and that's a problem. How do you square this? Two minutes now. How do you square this with a discussion that I think we've had before about term limits and other things? I mean, I know we're trying to, um, you know, we're trying to find what's best for Alaska, but. Um, any, does that factor into anything that you're, you're looking at here? I mean, obviously we don't want somebody there for 40 years, but even 20 years, I question sometimes. Well, Michael, if we're talking about what's best for Alaska, if we're talking about somebody who can position themselves to play a, a, the same sort of role that frankly Murkowski has on the appropriations side in the Senate, uh, or Young has, uh, in the house, we're talking about somebody who needs there to be there for, for a, a long period of a long period of time to build up the seniority. I think term limits works against Alaska, uh, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't favor. I mean, in some other states, I might favor term limits, but I wouldn't favor uh, term limits here uh, for our congressional seat because it, we only have one seat, and because the way that seat has gained significance is uh, is through seniority. Looks like we're not going to be able to get to the uh, Ukrainian issue uh, on the air, so we'll cover that over the top of the hour. Donna in the chat room says a Democrat isn't going to get a committee chairmanship. That's also probably should be on the list as, as well there. I mean, unless well, I... A Demo- quickly. A, 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 a Democrat isn't going to get a committee chairmanship this Congress, but a Republican isn't going to get a committee chairmanship this, this, this Congress. We need somebody like Young who was able to work both sides of the aisle. Right. Um, and, and that's another criteria, I think, that's uh, that's important in terms of being able to bring home the bacon. 
Well, uh, and that raises again questions about <clears throat> you know bombacity and uh, bipartisanship and everything else, which I guess is all for another day. Uh, Brad Keithley, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on board. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we're out of time. We got more coming up. Hour two dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. All right. Um, let's. Uh, I guess let's break off into the Ukrainian thing now, since uh, we you narrowed it down to four, and that's before you even get to the progressive conservative. So with the conservative, there's really only two. Um, there's really only two choices at that point, and that would be uh, uh, Begic and Tara uh, Tara Sweeney. Uh, and on the other side would be uh, uh, Sarah uh, Sattler and uh, uh, Constant at that point. So I guess that no, nails down to that. The question is, of course, what does the popularity contest say in the uh, in in the end? So, um, all right, let's uh, let's deal with Ukraine, the issues, and what does it mean for Alaska oil and gas? We got about four minutes here. So there's been a lot of. Uh, uh, more conversation recently about uh, the Alaska LNG project and and whether it's positioned it's it's its position is improving uh, as uh, as the Russian Ukrainian uh, situation has developed, particularly uh, given the uh, uh, the rejection of of uh, potential rejection of Russian oil and gas uh, uh, by others um, and and the and the need in Europe the need in Europe for for LNG. The, the, the conversation among the, 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 the LNG community, the people who really watch this, is that Gulf Coast projects, U.S. Gulf Coast projects, are likely to be absorbed into Europe uh, as uh, if, if, the, if the, the, the prohibition on Russian gas uh, sticks uh, in Europe, as it's likely to do. And, and U.S. LNG projects, Gulf Coast U.S. Gulf Coast LNG projects that were initially looking to Asia uh, as as their market and working on contractual relationships with Asia seem in recent days to be shifting to looking to contractual relationships uh, in Europe and uh, and and moving the volume to Europe. Shorter transit ta- transit time; they don't have to go through the Panama Canal. The net backs better uh, for the projects if they uh, if they go to Europe. Um, and, and Europe's going to have a substantial demand. So that, that really frees up an opportunity, creates an opportunity over on the Asian side for, for where is the additional volume going to come from. Um, and Alaska LNG potentially plays a role in that. The real open issue is the, the real market on the Asian side is China. And the real open issue is whether the Russians are going to the Russian gas is just going to divert over to China. If it's kicked out of Europe uh, and kicked out of other locations, is China just going to absorb the Russian gas? And if they do, then the world stays in the balance that it's been in, uh, which has made the Alaska LNG project a challenge project. If China does absorb the Russian gas, then the world stays in balance and Alaska LNG sort of stays in the same place that it was, sort of on the outside looking in. If China doesn't absorb that Russian gas, if the Russian gas really, you know, gets kicked off the market or for lack of investment doesn't develop in the way, doesn't develop additional volumes in the way that people have anticipated, then I think there is the, the, the chatter in the, in the LNG community is there is an opportunity for Alaska LNG. The one drawback of Alaska LNG is it doesn't have a sponsor right now. It doesn't have somebody pushing the program. Nobody believes the state's going to step up ultimately and, and be the investor and, and, and build the facilities. 
and with a lack of a private sector in Boston, uh, private sector uh, uh, sponsor, Alaska LNG sort of gets left out of the conversation because no one's pushing it forward. So if there, there may be an increased opportunity, a realistic increased opportunity, depending upon what happens with the Russian LNG or the Russian gas volumes, but Alaska needs to, needs to lock in, the Alaska project needs to get a private sponsor, private sector sponsor to begin pushing it forward realistically. And what are the chances of that happening here about 90 seconds? I think there is a, I, I think there is a chance. If people view the world in the same way that it depends upon what happens to the Russia-China relationship, and if they think that China ultimately won't take that gas for one reason or another, I think a private sector sponsor will step up uh, to, to lead the to lead the Alaska uh, project because they'll see it as a potential moneymaker. So it's sort of it, it, the, the worldview of whether or not of where that Russian gas is going to go, whether it's going to go to China, whether it's going to China is going to continue to invest in it in a way that will that will bring that gas forward. I think that's the key in in thinking about whether the Alaska LNG project is going to go forward. If it do, if if the sense is it does, then I think we'll have a private sponsor. The sense is it doesn't. I don't think we'll get a private sponsor. Well, we'll keep our ears peeled and eyes to the ground and see what's going on. Um, there are other markets in Asia, but China is the largest. Uh, so we'll see what the ultimate uh, decision is on that. Uh, Brad, thanks for bringing it to our attention. And we appreciate you uh, coming on board and joining us this morning. As always, stay warm and uh, and enjoy yourself. <laughs> Michael, as always, thanks for having me, and I'll I will try to stay warm. That's thanks. right, exactly. Well, the hoodie will help. I'm just saying the hoodie. That's will, right. The hoodie will help. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate it. Brad Keithley, Thank Alaskans you. for sustainable budgets. Uh, here as we go through. All right, uh, coming up on the uh, top of the hour. Here we're about to dive into this for hour two of the program. We're gonna get the phone lines ready to rock and roll here, and we will uh, take some phone calls from you, the listeners, to see what you have to say as well. And on top of that, we will, um, uh, uh, we'll, well, we'll, we'll see Chris. We got Chris story, Chris story coming up as well, uh, on the program. All right. <clears throat> so bringing some stuff back up so I can see what's going on, uh, here. Um, uh, there we go. I'm back up. Don't push Walker's plan that gives three quarters of our gas to a foreign country. Um, we have to export the gas. There's not enough demand uh, in the United States to take all the gas, and we can't use it ourselves. So it would eventually have to be sold to a foreign country, whether that's South Korea or Australia or Japan or China, whoever. Somebody, there's going to be a market for it somewhere. But um, yeah, no, I don't want China involved in the process for sure. Okay, uh, time to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? 
This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you can go to find the live stream, the podcast, and everything else. Uh, and also, of course, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, The Michael Duke Show, back at it, hour two of the big radio broadcast for Tuesday. Thank you for being part of the show today. We appreciate you coming on board and joining us. We have got, uh, we just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, had a good discussion with him this morning uh, about the... Uh, the, the race, the legislature, and we actually just finished up uh, a discussion on Ukrainian oil, uh, excuse me, Ukra- the Ukrainian war and the effects on oil and gas across the, uh, across the world. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty interesting discussion. Uh, so if you missed it, you can always go back and listen to it on the podcast, which is available every day uh, by going to your favorite podcasting app, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and of course, Spotify. And uh, just subscribe to the show and it'll download to your device every day and you can go back and listen to it. See, there you go. It's all simple and easy. Hour two of the program today, which means that we are going to be joined uh, in just a little bit. It is uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's going to come in. He is our personal guru of positivity. I have no idea what Chris is going to talk about today, but I know for certain that it will be good, no matter what it is. Um, that's uh, that's that's the good stuff right there. So make sure you stay tuned for Chris here in just a bit. Meanwhile, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, open up the phone lines uh, for those of you who want to participate and uh, and come in and talk with us. We'd love to hear from you. And so we have got the phone lines open right now. All participants are muted. See, there we go. That means the system is up and ready to go. So phone lines are open. The Pivotel call in line at 433-3150, 433-3150. We got about, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes here where we could take any kind of phone call that you want to discuss and describe. There's where it is right there. Uh, voting day today in Anchorage. Thank you, Rob, for reminding us about that. Um, voting day, uh, today, uh, you know, Anchorage is, they gotta be different. They gotta be different than everybody else. So they changed their municipal elections to be in April opposite of where everything else is. And it's been quite a race, more money been spent in this race than well, pretty much anywhere. Uh, it is like mayoral levels of money spending with, uh, candidates, including, um, uh, Forrest, uh, Dunbar. Um, and, um, wow, I just totally lost her name right off the top of my head. Uh, anyway, his opponent, I could see her face, but I can't remember her name. I hate that. I just, you know what? It's, this is what it's hell when you get old. It's hell when you get old. Uh, anyway, they have spent, um, well, uh, I think Boris Dunbar raised almost a quarter of a million dollars and his opponent was not far behind. And uh, 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 Stephanie Taylor, yeah, Stephanie Taylor, that's who it was. Uh, not far behind in fundraising. Uh, they are spending real money on this campaign. 
and uh, it's time to go out there and get it. Now the question is, um, are we going to uh, are we going to see a change? Are we going to see a change in Anchorage? We saw a change with the mayor, uh, with Mayor Bronson being elected. Will that group, will that those packet of voters that were so adamant about changing out the mayoralship uh, in the past, will they be able to hold true and change out some of these assembly seats? I don't know. I don't know at this point. But uh, here's got my fingers crossed. Got my fingers crossed. We'll see what uh, we'll see what happens with that. But today is voting day, and so everybody's got to go drop their uh, everybody's got to go drop their pieces off in the mail uh, in the vote drop boxes, or put it back in the mail. I would, I say vote drop boxes, or just walk it into the clerk's office. I think at that point. Anyway, uh, so that's the big news for today. Um, I guess we got some phone calls, so we'll go over and take some phone calls. I had some other things I was going to talk about, but it doesn't matter. It's all just doesn't matter. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Joanna from Fairbanks. Well, you did say to call in, you know, I mean, I, even if you did have other things to say. Well, you know, <laughs> I guess those things were not that important, Joanna. You know how I am. I just kind of ramble <laughs> on. It's how it is. So what's on your mind, dear? Okay. Every time I hear that quote, the greed and entitlement quote, I think, we really need to start calling these people our rulers, our honorable rulers, instead of our honorable representatives. I, I just, <laughs> I, I cannot fathom it. I cannot fathom it. Why we don't just call them, yes, milady, yes, milady, as the crown pleases, <laughs> yes, milady. I know, I know. It's just, you know, talk about greed and entitlement. I mean, these folks who are just no like, kidding. you know, sit down, you peasant. I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you how to live your life and spend your money and you'll be happy about it. Um, I mean, that's, that's right. So we know better. Yeah. Isn't that how okay, it, so anyway, it feels? That's all I had to say. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. All right, Joanne. Thank you so much for your call. Hun. Good to hear from you. Thank you for calling in. Uh, oh, by the way, Joanne, Joanne, you asked me about mm-hmm. you asked me about a sweetener, and I forgot to reply to you. Um, it's called xylitol. X Y. Oh yeah, that was another Joanne. Oh, it was another okay. Joanne. Okay, all right. Well, thank you so much, Joanne. There's plenty the, of us up here in Fairbanks. If that's right, if there's another <laughs> Joanne, it's xylitol. That's what she was looking for. Uh, all right, thank you, you thank you so much, Joanne. I appreciate it. Um, According to reports from Must Read, there are at least 72 households who didn't get a ballot in Meg Zalatel's district. Liz Vasquez is running against her. I saw that story. I hadn't read it yet. But, uh, yeah, um, again, that mail-in vote, that's really working out for you, isn't it? Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Um, Kathy from the Kenai Peninsula. Hello, Kathy. Yeah. And I just wanted to let people know that HEA on the Kenai Peninsula – um, they sent out a ballot for people to vote for, um, you know, to on the Kenai Peninsula here. And um, I'm just going to encourage people to that are conservative and that wouldn't prefer to have the windmills and all the things that they, the green people want to do to us. And so Wayne Ogle's running, and um, he's running in District 1, and Dan Furlong is vote in District 2, and... Um, Troy Jones is running in District 3, and we really need the people to get out and vote. Uh, Their ballots went out yesterday in the mail, and it'd be kind of nice if you could have some of these guys on there. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. 
I often I often advocate that the government that's closest to us is the one we should be paying close attention to, and that includes our member cooperatives out there who are making decisions by committee and things like that as well. Yeah, because we really need to get these conservatives in there to where that, because, um, yeah, uh, these kind of were, you know, um, and I've been doing a lot of calling to the Kenai Peninsula people that I know, but it'd be nice if you could really stretch this someday this week or next week. I think your ballot, the ballots went out on the April 4th, and then they've got to um, be back sometime in May. So okay. um, I think, I'm not for sure when they have to be back, but. You know, we really need to get the people out there to vote because only like 10 percent of these people vote, you know, on these ballots. Well, um, I'll tell you what, if you uh, if you know any of these candidates, why don't you uh, put me in contact with them? Have them reach out to me or send me their contacts or whatever. Again, I'm a one man show. I don't have a booker. So if you can do the legwork for me and get me in contact with them, I'll see about having them on the program. Okay, sounds great. Thanks, Thank Kathy. you. Appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much for being part of it today. Uh, all right, uh, 433-3150, 433-3150. If you'd like to call into the Pivotel call-in line, now is the time to do it. Speaking of Satellite West and Pivotel, have you heard about the bivy stick? <laughs> no? Have you not been listening to this program? The bivy stick. What is it? It's a small little device that turns your cell phone into a satellite communications device, meaning your cell phone can now talk to the satellites, meaning your cell phone can now send a text message or an email from anywhere in the world where you can see the sky. Um, And that's a pretty nifty piece of tech. And for only $199, it's probably the cheapest option on the market, man. I don't see, you know, a couple hundred dollars. Having something you can put in your emergency kit, your bug out bag, your glove box, the you know the little catch all section of your boat or your airplane, so that you know and can tell people exactly where you are and what's going on. That's what's important. There's no activation fees. They've got plans starting at only fourteen dollars a month for the safety plan, with rollovers for credits that you don't use in any month, and you get connectivity worldwide. Uh, You also get weather forecasts, both uh, regular and uh, aviation and marine forecasts as well for you pilots and mariners. Uh, And they've got new functions coming on as well, including things like group track and stuff like that that we're going to talk about a little bit later. And uh, you get five days of continuous battery usage out of a single charge. This is simple stuff. I mean, this thing is, it's got a little button on it that you push. It's got a little check mark button. And if you push it, it will send your pre-programmed message of, hey, babe, you look great, to I feel fine and everything's good, whatever it is that you want to say, plus your location to whoever you have on your distribution list there to get that message. It also has a little red button under a flap. You pick the little flap up and you mash the red button, and it says, I've fallen and I can't get up, or I'm hurt, or please send help immediately to this location, and it drops the location. Uh, as well. On top of that, it can do pings and pins down to two minutes apart. I mean, two minutes, five minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes, however fast you're moving and however much you're going. It can do all that for you all in one nifty little device that, again, only costs $199. Now, with disasters, whether it's tsunamis or earthquakes or anything else, we know that this could be uh, this, this can help you because cellular congestion is a real thing. I mean, it's already a growing problem 
just in general, but on disaster days, like back in the earthquake uh, when it happened in 2018, I mean, <clears throat> not only did cell towers go down, but everybody and their mother was trying to call somebody else, and it was nearly impossible to get through uh, on, a, on a cell phone there for a period of time. Well, with this, no problem. You send a text message. I'm okay. Everything's fine. Or I'm coming to you. It's going to take me a while. Or whatever else it is that you want to say. It is the ultimate peace of mind device for only 199 bucks. The Bivy Stick, B-I-V-Y, Bivy Stick, uh, like bivouac, right? Bivy Stick. Uh, you can find out more at SatelliteWest.com. You can also find your authorized dealers there if you're a hunter, fisher, snow machiner, doctor, truck driver. Avon lady, soccer mom, helicopter parent, or if you're just a Karen, it doesn't matter. You could all use it. It's uh, available, again, through your local dealers, Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks, Lundy Marine in Dutch Harbor, uh, South Central Radar in Homer, Communications North in Seward, Radar Alaska in Kodiak, and Safe and Sounds in Wasilla, Anchorage, and Seward. So, thank you so much. Thank you to Bivy and to Satellite West for sponsoring the program. Over here we go. Back to the phones for one more call before we go to Chris' story. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Darren. Hello, Darren. What's on your mind, my friend? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hey. hey. <laughs> okay. So I'll try to make it quick and hit all all the bases. I uh, really appreciated the, the, the background. He uh, gave us history on all those 13 this morning. Um, I, it bothers me tremendously that the uh, women of uh, Republican Party are jumped right in the Nick Baggage uh, pot, and uh, especially when it, you figure he was in there with um, our, uh, with Don trying doing those votes. You know that the tail end of Don's career was not good, in my estimation. Um, that kind of saddened me, but, uh, and then I, I was going to correct that thing. You know, you said about Sarah, all those stupid, uh, lawsuits that they were hitting her with. She, they, my understanding were they were actually Articat dealers. And yeah, so when they tried to sue her for wearing an Articat jacket, that was the most stupidest thing on earth. And, and she actually did the right thing and said, you know what? I'm wasting every, everybody's time, let alone my money, um, trying to, take care of these frivolous lawsuits instead of doing the business that I need to be doing. So I think she did the right thing in the first place on that deal. But uh, uh, the jury's still out on all these 50 that we have to look at. But, uh, you know, I I, uh, I like the idea that you're all over the state now instead of our little humdrum city. And I uh, worries me when I, you know, I, I keep thinking all this time, the PFD thing just drives me insane. And I want to go down to Anchorage and rattle all those people to get a hold of their representatives to straighten them out. But on the other hand, here we are with a Steve Thompson and a Bart LeBon of all people. Yeah. They went down there. We sent them down there to, to represent us, and they turned coat on us just like Lisa. Yeah. I'm just sad yeah. and sickened that, that you know we're losing our state right before our eyes, and I, I just – I'm well, losing it. Darren, all you anyway. got to do, Darren, all you got to do is motivate those people in your communities to remove the Bartle Bonds and the Steve Thompsons and the Click Bishops of the world in your community. Do your part there locally, and that will help in a big, big way. In fact, if if, if Steve Thompson and Bartle Bond hadn't uh, hadn't stepped aside and joined the majority, they wouldn't have a majority. So you're 100 percent right on that. I appreciate your call. Thank you so much, folks. We are up against the break. We got more coming up. We are going to uh, dive into this here with Chris Dory in just a moment. 
The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking, yada, yada, yada. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, break time. Break time. We're in the break right now. All right. <clears throat> I always thought those guys had our back in the interior, says Jimmy. I guess not. Well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I watched the interior <clears throat> slowly transition over the course of time. And, um, you know, it's been a problem. The, this has been a problem the whole way around. Um, I saw it happening before I left, and it just has accelerated since I left. So <clears throat> maybe you can blame me. I don't know. Uh, get Sarah Palin on your show. Make a difference. I'm. We're going to try. We're going to try and get Sarah Palin on. We're going to try and get Nick Baggage on. Uh, we've had Chris Bai on the program. Maybe we'll try and get Josh Revac as well, and even Adam Wool or Christopher Constant. We'll have conversations with them as well to see if we can get uh, some of these folks on to discuss it. We don't have a whole lot of time, do we? Uh, July, June 11th is going to be the drop dead date for that, which means that the ballots will go out uh, sometime in early May, and uh, we'll have to get all those back. Um, it's going to be. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to say the list, to say the least, the list, the least, the list. Um, Jimmy says, true story. Had a dream the other night. He said, the dream was that I was stranded in Australia and was like, hey, I got it covered. I got the bivy stick. He says, true story. He's, he got these, I got a bivy stick. Don't worry about it. So, Jimmy, make that dream a reality, baby. Just step on down to your local bivy dealer satellite west dealer and uh, and pick one up for 199 bucks it's the best money you'll spend on that peace of mind that's for sure all right <clears throat> well i guess that uh, mr smith we call him mr story um and let's see what uh let's see what he has to say this morning hello sir how are you I like how you're turning dreams of your listeners into profits for yourself. That's very capitalistic of you. I admire that. I, I, hey, I am a capitalist, unabashedly so. Everybody's got to eat, my friend. Everybody's got to eat. So uh, that's what that's what happens. Uh, so what's going on? I have not had any dreams of you recently, so I, I don't know how I can help you today. Other than maybe we could. What I wanted to talk about was what I'm calling the chase. The chase. The chase, the chase. I'm sorry, I'm picturing picturing my wife right now. The chase, the chase. Uh, okay, we can <clears throat> we can talk about that, and uh, and that'll be good. How's weather down in my adopted hometown? You know, yesterday we had some snow flurries, which I always love snow in late March and April. I love it. Snow in April. There's nothing better because you know it's not going to last. It's, it's temporary. It's like it's like the Biden administration discussed inflation early in the year and called it transitory right so when it, when it snows this is just transitory snow that's all. it's a transitory snow it's only seven foot of transitory snow don't worry about that's it. right that's right that's right, that's right. no uh, i love it it's, it's gorgeous right now i'm looking out at the catchback bay and the snow-capped kenai mountain range michael you wouldn't want to be here right now there's there's some nice billowing clouds and the sun 
beginning to rise in the east as it does every day. And it's just, uh, you, you just stay there. You know, you're right. I probably would hate it there, so I probably yeah. won't uh, won't be driving down today. Dang it. If you uh, do, bring your bivy stick. Yeah, I'm going to bring my – I will bring my bivy stick. It goes with me everywhere now. It's simple and easy, man. I don't know why you don't have one. Uh, I mean, you're you're an Avon lady. I'm going to add realtor to the list. I've got a list of things that I throw on there. I'm going to oh. add realtor to the list. Good idea. Or positivity, idea. positivity guru. So there That's you right. go. Um. <laughs> Rob says, some of us follow prophets and others follow prophets. The first one with a PH. Um, well, I got it. I Michael, got it. That you, didn't need, that you, didn't I'm sorry, I didn't need to explain it to you? Okay. Nope. All right. Okay. All right. I see how it is. <laughs> God, I hate everybody right now. All right. Um, <laughs> hold, hold, hold the line. Chris Story uh, is uh, our guest, and we're going to uh, jump into this. Here in just a few moments, please like and share this video, like and follow the show page, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube, all the good stuff. And don't go anywhere. Don't leave because Chris Story's coming on. I don't want him to feel bad if he looks at the numbers and see them dump off because this is one of my favorite segments of the week. So please, for my sake, stick with us and let's talk about the chase with Mr. Story. Back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Let's do it. Okay, how are you? Good morning. Hour two continues, the Michael Duke Show. And this is the part of the week where we change gears just a little bit. We, you know, we're a lot about politics and everything else, but, you know, I jettison that for just a moment. So don't don't tune out. I know many of you are like, politics or death. But, I mean, before you do that, don't you need maybe just a little bit of an uplift? Don't you just need a little bit of, you know, just lifting you up a little bit? You know, I, 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 I do that. I need that. This segment is all about me. You benefit, but it's all about me because I need to hear these things every week. Chris Story is our positivity guru. He is the Tony Robbins of Alaska. He's a realtor. He's a potter. He's a philosopher. And he joins us this morning to talk about the chase. Good morning, Mr. Story, sir. How are you, my friend? Michael, I'm fantastic, and I'd, I'd like it if you'd add, um, I don't know, it, would, it be, would it be fair to say a, a mental suppository? Would that yes. be appropriate here? Yes, you are the long, thin mental suppository. <laughs> Can we start over? Good morning, Michael. <laughs> How are you, buddy? What's happening? Life is good. I think it's a choice. It's an attitude. I wanted to talk to you today about the chase and this idea of who's chasing you and thinking about success and whatever capacity, whether you're running for the Homer Electric Board and you're going to appear on the Michael Duke show soon, uh, whatever it is, you're, you're in the petro business, you're in any business or capacity of life right now. You might even be retired. What is success? And I think about it like this. Success is like catching butterflies. The more you chase the butterfly, the faster and higher they fly. So you have to become attractive. It's not our fault if you don't get elected. If it's not our fault, if your business doesn't succeed, it's not our fault if you're not happy and you're not in a place of, you know, where you feel um, 
good each day or you're not healthy. You must become attractive and the butterfly here standing in for success will come to you. So if you want to make more money, you must become more attractive to the money. You must become more valuable in the marketplace. So butterflies are, butterflies are attracted to flowers. So you're saying that I need to become yeah. a brilliant, beautiful flower. Is that what you're saying? But please stop short of putting the flowers in your beard. Remember when that became sort of a, a craze for a while? Oh, uh, yeah. Men were photographing themselves with flowers in their beard. Please don't follow that craze, Michael. But yes, you got to become more attractive. Let's say you want better sleep. Or you want to become healthier, whatever it is, you have to create the habits that will attract health into your life or will attract better sleep to you. So we could take this anywhere, uh, but I can't help but bring up a Julia Roberts movie with one of the best lines in any movie. It's called My Best Friend's Wedding. Have you seen it? Uh, Long time ago. Yeah, long time ago. Refresh my memory. There's a scene that stuck in my mind. I too, I remember seeing it at the theater and thinking, well, "What? The, I don't want to come. I don't like rom coms. Why am I here?" There's this line that stuck with me, and I'll, I'll never forget. Julia Roberts is chasing her best friend, who she's interested in, but he's chasing his fiance, whom he's more interested in. And she's on the phone with her her buddy, and the guy says, "Wait a minute, you're chasing him. He's chasing her. Who's chasing you?" nobody nobody's chasing her and that's just i think success is the fact that you must at some point stop and analyze your habits and your attitudes because what you've got right now currently is the result of your thoughts your habits and your attitude towards life towards others towards yourself and i think basically if we'd stop and take a look no matter where we are if we're we're at the income we want to be at. Do we have the health or do we have the relationships? Do we, is everything in perfect balance? Great. But you might still wish to take it to another level. The chances are good. You're like the rest of us and things are a little bit out of balance here or there. You have the, the career success you want, but you're, you're maybe your relationships are struggling or your, your health isn't where you want it to be. Almost at any point in time, balancing the plates of life, they're not all spinning the way we want to. So if we'll stop for a minute and really analyze and look at these habits, and our thoughts and our prevailing attitudes, we can become more attractive either in the marketplace of ideas, profitability, uh, relationships, as I mentioned, or your health, whatever it is. I think it's really worth looking at those prevailing thoughts and attitudes in your daily habits because that's what's going to continue to attract what you've already got. And if you want right. more of it, great. But if you want something different, think differently. Okay, so that's the 10,000-foot view. Bringing us down here for the lowly people like us who are down at the ground level, how do we do that? How do we, how do we adapt? You know, give us a, a, a for-instance, I guess is what I'm saying, uh, on how we change or adapt our habits. Uh, I mean, you know, again, just some, ex- some examples, please, Mr. Story. Another, uh, this is interesting. I didn't even think about this till just now because I had these two ideas I wanted to talk to you about, um, Julia Roberts' movie, but then Julia Child. Tiffany and I, I don't know why, uh, coming probably at it from two different levels or two different angles, really like Julia Childs. I never liked her show as a kid, never couldn't stand her voice, I couldn't stand watching. I love the Dan Aykroyd version of Julia Childs where he cuts his hand and he, he's bleeding, he's gushing blood all over the uh, show um, on Saturday Night Live. That was great, but I, I never really cared for her. But later in life, I did begin to really admire her. Um, and HBO has just recently come out with a series and they've released a few episodes. It's about the life and times of Julia Child as she's beginning her TV career. 
and she's 51 years old and she's, you'd never say she's attractive per se. She's just not. Um, but she's herself. And so she stops and says, wait a minute. And she's sort of mid course of her life. She puts the brakes on and says, I don't want to keep going this direction. I don't know why, but I want to go this direction. And she became attractive and success landed on her like a 50 pound butterfly such that when she died in 2004, she was uh, leaving behind a state worth nearly $75 million. And this is somebody who was middle class. Her husband was uh, in the, the foreign service. I mean, they, they didn't have money, but she stopped mid course of her life and completely did an about face and changed her attitude and her habits and became attractive to the entire world. And so that's a large, that's another, I guess maybe we're from 10,000 to 30,000 feet because we're not all Julia Childs. We're not all looking to create that kind of a fortune and fame. But the idea is that anybody can use the ingredients of faith combined with action and joy. And not to say that every step of the process is going to be joyful. There are going to be times when we fall. There's going to be times that we're going through uh, growing pains or, you know, if we begin a, a new exercise regimen. It's not joyful at first, but it becomes such. So you have to have faith in the outcome, but you don't focus so much on the outcome that you miss the process. Becoming attractive in the marketplace, let's just say that you're working for Alaska Airlines and you find yourself striking right now uh, as a pilot based out of Anchorage, then you have to ask yourself, am I really going to get what I want out of this strike? You can almost never strike for success, really. There's something else at work there. You have to become something new, somebody new. You have to add habits or delete habits. And before you can do that, you have to be aware of them. So it comes back to something we talk about all the time, journaling and writing down, where am I at? Where do I want to go? Without a roadmap, you, you, you go in circles. You create a roadmap. Where, what would you like to attract into your life? What are your thoughts, habits, and attitudes right now? Attitude, truthfully, is probably the umbrella over all of this. And if you have an attitude adjustment at this point of life, wherever you are, it will ensure that you can go where you wish to go. But if you don't even know where you want to go, well, then, you know, why are we talking about it? So I think it's the idea of writing out, sort of creating a future you, a future destination, but it's done so by acknowledging where you are today and what got you here and then deciding where do you wish to go. And it might just be stay the course. Good for you. All right. So I'm going to break this down for morons like myself. So uh, basically, first of all, you got to have a plan. You got to have a, de- a destination to know where you're going. Otherwise, you'll just float along the, the the meandering stream of life, and you'll be surprised when you get wherever you were going because you never planned on getting anywhere anyway. So you got to have a destination. You got to have a goal. You got to have some kind of direction for your life to go. Secondly, you got to have the attitude, uh, which is an attitude of possibility, an attitude of positivity, and not the oh this always happens to me or I'm the human or or a negative attitude of any way. You have to, because it's the one thing you can, can control. The one thing you can control is your attitude and your reaction to things that happen to you. Um, and even good, you know, even good or bad, you can do all those things and changing that attitude. And then again, the third thing would be the habit force that the, you then create to attain the destination and to maintain the attitude of positivity. Did I sum that up adequately? I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I didn't even need to be here. I love that. that. That's perfect. Think about Steve Ballmer when he took over Microsoft from Bill Gates, when Bill Gates stepped down to vaccinate the world and, and Steve Ballmer took over. for he, he, he put Microsoft into a 10-year decline 
And you could never argue that Steve Ballmer wasn't successful. Uh, the company continued to make profits, but they've lost out in major areas because of Steve Ballmer's attitude. His attitude was, we're going to defend and protect what we've built versus we're going to go and grow into the 21st century. So he seeded uh, search to Google. He seeded music to iTunes uh, you know, through Apple. Uh, he seeded mobile to Apple and Google. Uh, and there was uh, probably another area or two that they didn't really investigate or explore or grow into uh, until later. But that 10-year decline of Microsoft, he had probably, he was probably very positive. He probably had great plans for the future and everything. But his attitude was in defense of what we've done versus where are we going, where's the world going and growing. And so they began to, to shrink. And, of course, they, they turned that around at some point. Um, but nevertheless, it just seems to me to be super emblematic of, of how you can look like you're doing everything right and you've got all the success, but really it's sort of a, a, you're shrinking and you don't even realize it. And I think attitude is probably the most important thing we talked about today because we, we could be in a cycle of, uh, I, I'm reading about the housing market you know, around the country. You're reading right. about all, all kinds of different uh, inflation and where it's going in the economy and supply chain and, and World War III. And we talked about this last week. And one thing I failed to mention is I, I felt like what happened out of Wuhan was an act of war. And yet we're, we're just printed $6 trillion to sort of cover it up over the last two years. And I, I just think that our attitude is going to make a big difference if we're going to attract more of that or if we're going to make a change and we're going to make a difference. And if you wish to become elected or you want to start a blog, I was talking to somebody yesterday who's incredibly, incredibly politically important, but her name probably will never end up on a ballot, but yet she's influential. And because of her attitude to say, you know what, I can do something. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And that with which I can do, I will do. And she's making a difference in keeping people informed and, uh, look at you, you quoted Must Read Alaska earlier in your program. What a difference Suzanne Downing has made in the whole statewide conversation. One person, one blog, anybody can do this. But it takes an attitude that, and probably stopping for a moment and going, hey, wait a minute, what do I want to attract? Maybe you don't want to attract the success of a blog or something like that. But there is something with which you can alter in your own life and become more of what you would like to become. And that's it for anybody. And that's not... Uh, woo-woo, that's not, that's science, Michael. That's science. So you want to innovate. I am science. You, <laughs> I am science. Uh, you want to innovate instead of stagnate, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what you were just talking about with Microsoft. Yeah. I mean, they want, instead of it, they stopped innovating and they started stagnating yep. uh, because right. it's a defensive position. We've seen many companies do that uh, over the years uh, because they thought they were at the pinnacle and, and then they just wanted to defend the pinnacle instead of continuing to innovate. And then they slowly fade from existence. Nobody hears about Alpine car stereos anymore, even though they were the pinnacle at one point. Um, yeah. but you know, it, it is, it is all about attitude. And I think those three things again, of, of having a destination, creating the mindset and the attitude, the positive mindset and the attitude of, 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 of moving forward and that habit force, those are really the keys to the kingdom in the long run. You got a minute here. I think so. And I think just getting down to the practical, I think your journal's the roadmap. I think writing down your thoughts, um, how tall will an oak tree grow? As tall as it possibly can. Not to say that there aren't constraints. Yes, there are. But you want to grow and go through life. I don't care how old you are. You still, you're still here. 
You're here on purpose, with a purpose, and you there's a reason that you're still here. And I say we make the absolute most of every single moment. Look forward, learn from your past, but live in this present. That's where the good life is. He's got a book out. He's got several books out, but his latest one is called The Backyard Millionaire. If you haven't read it yet, I recommend you do so. It's an inspiring read, uh, and the narrative performance on the audiobook is not bad either. Uh, you can find that at Audible, or you can find the book at Amazon.com. Uh, he's also got another series out of uh, fiction called The Making of Man, and uh, he's going to be uh, putting out a new book on that as well uh, this summer, which I'm excited to hear about as well. So you can find it all at ilovehomeralaska.com. Uh, Chris Story, my friend, as always, your greatest. Thank you, Michael. It's my privilege to be here with you. Thanks for what you do. You didn't catch my broken English. You are greatest. You are no. greatest. <laughs> You are... I used to hear broken English. Oh. I'm a fan of the show. I uh, hear it all the time. See, there you go. That's all I needed to hear. Thank you. Uh, thanks, my friend. I appreciate it. Folks, we are out of time. we got more coming up uh, in just a moment. Your phone calls and more for one final segment. We return the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. And we are in the break right now. Uh, And we are... Ready to go. I don't know why, people. Um, Because I can watch the numbers tick off, you know, as we're watching the show. Uh, I always find Chris a fascinating and entertaining guest. But it gets for me. I guess it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Could be just me and Chris at this point. But I always find it interesting to see where people's mindset is at. Because most of them, I mean, you know, we'll have 50, 60 people in the chat room. And we're down and dirty and deep into politics. And the next thing you know, we're talking about a little positivity, a little healthful well-being and mental attitude adjustment. And half the people leave the, you know, leave the thing. I, I find that interesting. I think, that, again, maybe it's because bad news sells. Is that the answer? Bad news sells? Um, I, guess, I, guess that's the, I guess that's the solution there. Uh, but apparently 25 or 6 of you uh, find uh, Chris's uh, uh, information uh, entertaining, uplifting, and educational. So thanks for sticking around with us here this morning as we uh, as we go forward. Uh, all right. Um, what, uh, what, what else do you guys want to talk about this morning? You, you guide me here on this final segment. What else do you guys want to talk about this morning? Um, I want to know what you think. Mothra is positively the biggest butterfly. Yes, uh, yes, I think you're probably right, Randy. Mothra is, in fact, the biggest butterfly ever. Hugs and kisses all around. I'll pass this, Harold. Well, that's only because people won't hug and kiss you, Harold, because you're as affectionate as a spiny urchin. That's just how it is when everything is, you know, when when that's, you know, no surprise. Surprise! Um, all right. Do any of the traitor Republicans in the interior have a challenger? If there aren't any, they probably feel like they can get, keep getting away with what they're doing. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's been part of the problem is that none of these people have really had a dedicated challenger. 
And maybe, again, this goes back to what I've been talking about with the Republican Party being part of the problem. Um, where are the people on these uh, these uh, committees, these central committees for these different areas? Where are they in finding a secondary replacement? I mean, if you're censuring some of these people, and some of these legislators have been censured and chastised by their own political party. If you're censuring these, then why are you not all also offering up an alternative? That's my question. What, I mean, you know, why, why aren't you offering up a second choice? You know, that's my question. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's very frustrating to watch. And again, I think that I can lay most of the blame for a lot of Alaska's problems over the last 15 years uh, directly at the feet of the Alaska Republican Party. And maybe if you're a Republican, that makes you mad, but I don't care. Probably makes you mad because you know it's true. That's what I'm saying. Probably makes you mad because you know it's true. Why, oh why, do we continue to send the same folks back that are causing the problems and then getting mad when it happens again? Why are you surprised? Why are you shocked? Shocked, I tell you. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I, I'm, I'm, I don't understand how we could continue to do this. You know, in some areas, like I said, in Kodiak or Sitka or things like that, maybe it's environmental. That's okay. But in areas like Fairbanks, which has shown itself to be, you know, have some core conservative values in there, and we've had conservative representation in the past, what happened? What happened to all those people? I I mean, I don't know. I would like to know what happened to all those, you know, where are all those people now when they chast? Oh, well, we're going to censure them. Well, good. What's that going to do? Oh, I'm sure you hurt their feelings by censuring them and then not putting another candidate up against them. Why? I mean, if there's no penalty, then what does it matter? It's just a social club at that point. You're just sipping coffee, talking about the problems that you helped create. That's what we're dealing with right now. My opinion. My, just the opinion of this humble radio host. That's how it goes. All right, uh, 433-3150, 433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line, powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. We will uh, take uh, take some calls here at the end of the show. David says, the truth often hurts. We do keep sending people back just because they have an R next to their name, yet these people are rhinos, not true servants of the people. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm sitting at. Um, man, cruising for a bruising, cruising for a bruising this morning. All right. Uh, well, we're coming up against it here in just a hot second. We're going to, uh, rejoin the radio and then we'll see what uh, folks want to hear, uh, on the, uh, on the air. Let's do it. The Michael Duke show.
Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. I want to remind you that coming up on tomorrow's program, we're going to be joined by Representative Sarah Vance, who's going to be calling in in hour one of the broadcast. We'll talk about the continued shenanigans in the uh, in the house with the budget and everything else and uh we'll we'll uh we'll have a conversation with her in hour one then in hour two we will have our discussion with uh state senator mike shower for his weekly update uh for what we like to call the shower hour of power uh, then on Thursday, I don't have anything locked in stone yet, so I don't even want to, I don't even want to tease it at this point. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have some discussions on Thursday, I'm sure with somebody. And if not, we'll just take some phone calls because that's, uh, that's always fun and entertaining for me. And in fact, let's, uh, open the phone lines back up again right now. Uh, if you'd like to call in, heard from quite a few new callers today and I enjoy that. I enjoy hearing from new folks who've been listening to the program for a while and want to uh, want to have their say. So the Pivotel call-in line is open, powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. The number is 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Feel free to call in and uh, sidetrack us on anything that we uh, were, you know, we've talked about today. Uh, we got stuck. We got talking about earlier. Um, the nomination uh, for the Supreme Court of uh, Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson and how the fact that Lisa Murkowski has now announced that she is going to support the nomination along with Mitt Romney and Suzanne Collins, three Republicans who basically guaranteed uh, her nomination at this point. And again, I find the irony of this uh, just amazing that uh, Murkowski can uh, can spin some words and talk about how the process has become so politicized and corrosive and that she's voting for her to reject those corrosive politics. Yet at the same time, she didn't vote to reject those corrosive politics around Kavanaugh. I mean, she, you know, oh, I feel like that she can. I mean, look, anybody that ever watched Lisa Murkowski's voting record in the uh, state legislature knows that the only reason she had an R next to her name was because daddy had an R next to his name. I've said this for years. She's not a conservative. This is not a surprise. But people still act shocked. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually shocked that people are acting shocked. But this is, again, just one more decision that shows that uh, it's time for her to go. As I said, I didn't watch all the hearings with uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, uh, and the uh, senators who were asking those questions. Uh, all I had to really see was the one exchange between her and Ted Cruz when he asked the question, do you hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights, yes or no? And she said, I do not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. And that pretty much for me disqualifies her as a judge because natural rights is the basis found, basic foundation of the Republic and really of modern day and, uh, and, and, you know, philosophy and law. I mean, you know, Locke and, and everybody else talked about those natural rights that were, you know, preordained, you know, 
for us if the government does not give us those rights. If she doesn't hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights, then that argument will never hold sway with her, and she will see the government's supremacy in everything at that point. It's, uh, I mean, all I had to hear was that one exchange, and I knew she wasn't like, no, forget about all the other stuff that people are talking about, the soft on pedophiles and the crime and the thing. And I don't care about any of that. This one simple statement is enough for me to disqualify her as a candidate. And Murkowski's like, oh, no, she's, she's, yeah, no, absolutely. And yet we're all shocked by it. Well, not all of us, but some of you are shocked by it. Shocked, I say. All right, um, let's go over here. Um, they don't need an R to vote. They have enough Dems to get her in. No, they need an R. They needed an R to vote, Sandy, because it was a 50-50 split. The, the Senate is split 50-50, and that confirmation vote has got to go their way. So they've got three. It's a lock at this point. Uh, let's go over to the phones here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. Yeah, just uh, besides the Anchorage election being today, the deadline for that on April 5th, I just want to let people remind people that <clears throat> the deadline for uh, submitting your Nina Ice Classic ticket guesses is today also at April 5th. And uh, last night I had trouble finding any tickets. They were, like, sold out. I finally went to RJ's Lounge off of Airport Way, and they had some tickets. So if, if someone's scrambling for tickets, that's one place that has them. And also, if a person is lucky enough to win, uh, that's not free money because you do have to pay $2.50 per ticket. So you do invest in it, and then if you get the small, minuscule chance of actually getting the payout, uh, that's fun, but it's not free money. Right. No, the Ninana Ice Classic has been going on for years, and people, uh, I, I've actually have had two friends who have won uh, the Classic before, um, but they played it for years. I don't know if they ever won all their money back, but it's fun to see uh, folks win that. And, of course, uh, the, with the weather this year, who knows when the thing's going to go out. It's uh, definitely an interesting call. But, uh, well, thank you, Randy, for the heads up and letting us know that uh, today's the deadline. I appreciate you doing that. Okay, thank you. Bye. Uh, 433-3150. 433-3150. If you would like to uh, call in, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, maybe Mayor Pierce, if elected for governor, of course, can get the DEC off the backs of interior wood burners. Well, I mean, I certainly, for one, would like to see a little bit of uh, interventionalism in that, but you'd have to buck the federal government on that. That's part of the problem is that this is a federal mandate, EPA mandate, and that's part of the problem. Um, definitely not a uh, de- definitely not an easy fix by any means uh, on that as well. Um, it. Uh, it it's frustrating, but yeah, maybe the mayor, uh, then governor, would be happy to do that if he becomes governor. Oh, snowing in Wasilla, somebody says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but as Chris Story said, it's a transitory. It's a transitory snow. I guess that is the good thing about April showers, uh, snow showers. Anyway, we know they're at least temporary. Uh, they're right around the corners. Um, I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah. David just said it. Jackson has no position on whether free human beings have natural rights. If that doesn't scare the heck out of you, I don't know what was going on. Immediately disqualifies her for sure. She's as dangerous as they come. I agree with that. Um, let's. Uh, well, uh, I guess that's it. I just looked at the time. I guess we're out of time. So tomorrow. Um, tomorrow. Tomorrow.
Sarah Vance. Tomorrow, Mike Shower. And you and me. Let's make a date of it, shall we? Let's let's have it. Let's do it. Play date tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Be here. Thank you, my friends. Hey, love one another, will you? Be kind to one another. And live well. Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. All right, my friends, we are ready to go. I don't believe they needed an R. Uh, the it was it was locked in committee. The committee that was would have forwarded the name to the floor was an eleven to eleven split. It was split equally down party lines, and to pull it out of committee, they needed a majority vote on the floor to pull it out of committee to then go to vote on the floor. That's my understanding of it. If you want to point me into another direction uh, that shows different, I'd be happy to look at it. But that was the reading that I was doing is that they were trying to get it out of committee because it was gridlocked there in an 11-11 deadlock. And so the only way to do that was to basically move it from the floor out of the committee. And that required a majority of votes. And the, and the Senate is split 50-50. So they needed a majority vote. They needed a Republican to make it happen. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I read it. All right. Um, we got to go. Thanks, my friends. As always, it was my pleasure to have you on this morning. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.